Thanks, Pastor. Hey, Amen. I got some good news for you guys this morning. How many of you guys want to hear some good news? Hey, Amen. God is in a good mood. Okay, some of us think that's good news. For me, that's really good news. He's not in a bad mood this morning. Hey, Amen. Praise God. I just want to say something real quick before we get inside the word. This week, we have a new addition to our family. Elias Pentecost, Papa VC, was born. Amen. A man of God is being raised up. So praise God. Amen. I could, uh, David, when we were at the hospital, he said, uh, Fred, I'm going to pass on my mantle to you. And I'm thinking, man, this is a man of God. You know, he's going to pass on the, the, the Holy Ghost mantle. He said, the baby making mantle onto you. And uh, that's Elijah right there. So I'm, I'm trying to become a young Elijah. Elijah. Uh, Elijah, that's Elijah, I'm trying to become a young Elisha, and uh, she's trying to double, so I'm believing God for eight. Uh, <laughs> amen. It is, amen, it is good to be with you this morning, it is a pleasure and an honor to stand in front of you guys. First, I just want to uh, personally thank you for all that you've done, and for how you have partnered and supported the ministry. It is, uh, it is, it is something that means a lot personally to me, but above and beyond that, it means a lot to the people that we minister to. If I can, for one instance, give you a glimpse of the eyes, of the faces that we have ministered to throughout this, these past couple years, it would transform your life. Many of them have come up to me with tears in their eyes, thanking not only myself for coming and bringing the word, but for those who have set me out and unleashed me in this world to, and who have partnered with me to accomplish the purposes of God not only in this world, but also for my own life. And, and for that alone, I'm forever grateful and thankful and indebted with love and gratitude to you guys. Um, it's been my privilege to be our spokesman for the gospel and for the kingdom. We've seen tremendous things, and today we'll have a chance to just take a glimpse of some of those things that we have been a part of. But before I, I do that, I just want to share a few things. <clears throat> you know, I was, I was in the scripture this week, and God was making something real inside of my heart. And I know that many of us face problems in this world. I know it because I, I live in this world. And I'm not naive to the things that we face. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 faces hardship after hardship after hardship. And he endures. And in chapter 5, he says the secret to his endurance is him longing for something else. For something real. And as I read that, it became real in my own life. Saying, how much do I really long for heaven? You know, it's one thing to want something. It's one thing to have a desire for something. It's another thing to long for something. And he's able to endure because something is real in his life. And I have to evaluate my own life. And we as a people have to evaluate our lives. And I'm not trying to minimize the things that we go through in this world. I believe they're genuine, and I believe that, that, that these are our real obstacles that we face. But when we put it in light and in perspective of what it is in eternity, then it becomes small. And I believe that when things become real inside of our hearts and inside of our lives, listen, I, I believe the Bible. I believe what it says. And if for some instance in my life, my actions contradict what this word says. I repent, I get my mind renewed, and I move forward. And that's all there is to it, because I believe this is, is more than just words, more than just a fable, more than just some storytelling 
that, was, that happened thousands of years ago. I believe it's alive and active when the Holy Spirit comes and brings life to it. And that's what we're about. You know, we're about not just bringing definitions about what Christianity is, but bringing demonstrations to what it is. You know, one demonstration is worth a million definitions. When we're able to unleash this kingdom that we bring on this earth, but it has to be real to us first. And if it's not real to us, then we can't make it real to someone else. Because we ourselves have not experienced it. Because we ourselves have not tasted and it, and it has not been made real in the inside of us. Because I cannot give what I do not possess myself. And when I possess it, when I grab a hold of it, when I make it real in my life, we can unleash it to this world. Listen, there's times when we stand. I believe that with all of my heart. But there's other times when we aggressively attack. And I'm going to get into some of that today. But I just, I just want to encourage you today. Believe the Bible for what it is worth. Grab a hold of its promises and its truths. Because it will transform your life. Listen, these last two years I've had a radical paradigm shift. And I see things through a whole new lens and perspective. Was I born again before I left? Yes. Would I consider myself uh, going after it? Yes. But when I tapped into something to the resources of heaven that were available to me, it radically transformed my life. And when I decided to take a stand and say, you know what, when will my faith demand a demonstration? When will it demand results for me? When is it good enough for me not just to believe in it in here, but to make it real with these hands and to see it with these eyes and to speak it with my mouth and to demonstrate it with my life? Listen, our faith has has to demand results. And it has to become real to us. It's not good enough that I just believe in it. You know, James talks about that. The demons and devils themselves believe that God is real. They believe in His existence. I also believe the same. But what separates me from them, or us from them? It's more than just beliefs up here. And I know you guys... There's better preachers than me even in this own church. There's better teachers than me even in this own church. That doesn't separate me from anyone else. What separates people from others, peers from others, is their determination of how much God they want and how real they want it inside of their lives. That's what separates people. That's what separates us from everyone else. Listen, they got... Other religions, I, I go to Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, they got books. They got places of worship. They sing songs. Some of them give up more than what we can ever imagine or fathom. They got their own crosses, their own, own self-denials. But what they don't have is the living God indwelling inside of them. And that manifestation of, that, of, that, of those realities expressed in this world, they do not have. And that is something that we possess. We are the church of the living God. And we possess something real inside of us. And when it becomes real to us, so much so that I'm willing to step out the limb and, and go and take radical risk for the kingdom. And say, you know what? I actually believe what this says. I actually believe when I lay my hands on people, they will be healed in Jesus' name. 
I believe that when I speak and when I proclaim this kingdom, there is freedom in these words because it is accompanied by the very presence of God that I proclaim. And when I believe that and when I step out, it's when God releases and demonstrates. I believe one of the most reasons that I and every other man of God see, see wonders, signs and wonders. And I'm going to go into the scripture in just a minute. I just got to unleash some things that are in my heart right now. And when we see these things, you know what they do? You know the people that see the most miracles in the Bible are the ones that actually go out there, believe it, and do it? The people that see the most miracles and the most things for God are the ones that say, I believe it, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to demonstrate it. People that say, man, you know, since I've been out in the field, I have many fresh pairs of eyes and minds. And, and I, I show people videos and photos. And you know what they tell me? They say, I was showing this one video of, of me ministering. And, and uh, I, was, I was showing them different things. And I said, hey, what did you think about the video? They weren't even believers. They said, you know, when, when I saw that video, I, I saw one thing. These people that you're going to think that you have power in your hands because you were laying your hands on a lot of people and things were happening. You know, people that have never read the gospel, you know, I say, what do you see in these scriptures? What, what, what is here? And, and they see a lot of things differently than when we see them. They, they don't see doctrine. Well, Jesus is perfect doctrine. He is perfect theology. And when they see this man, God, Jesus, come on earth, they, they see something totally different than when we see. I have had the great privilege and the honor of going to many places in this world. Not just to chalk up experiences, but going in those places and walking as a giant and as a man of God and as a champion. And saying in Jesus' name, when I walk into these places, we're bringing a shift in the spirit. And we're going to see things change. Because I'm not bowing my knee and I'm not backing down and something has to happen. And it's either us or that situation. Us or that oppression. Us or that hopeless situation. And guess who's not backing down? They're not backing down. We're not backing down. Something has to happen. And we go and we step on the limb and we believe and we see. I've seen with my own eyes. I've touched with my own hands. For us, I don't go by myself when I go into these places. Now, not once... Do I, do I believe that I'm alone? Although many times I feel like that. <clears throat> There's a lot of things on my heart, but I'm just going to share real briefly. I had a chance to share with a lot of you guys. And we've had some real good experiences uh, of fellowshipping and getting inside the Word together. It's been, it's been good. I've been encouraged. I've also been tired. <laughs> The mission field is no break. And when I came home, I thought I would take it easy. But I learned real quickly, the battle is not just overseas. And there are no vacations when you're in the middle of a war. Amen? There's no vacations. There's no breaks. And in Jesus' name, I don't want one. I want to, I want to be in the midst of the battle. I want to be in the midst of the war. I want to do my part. I want to do my part. 
I want to just share some things with you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures. So if you just want to listen up, you can do so. If you want to turn to them, you can also. You can jot them down. You can listen to this again uh, online or whatever. You can have a personal conversation with me. That's always good, too. The twofold vision of the ministry is found in these scriptures. I believe everything that I base my life and ministry has to be found in the word of God. Not just mere experiences. Although I do believe that those are a big part of what shapes and forms us. But I believe it's not the only thing. So I'm going to share the vision of the ministry and then lay a foundation and we're going to get into some good stuff. And we're going to do this all very quickly. The twofold vision of the ministry is this. We go to unreached peoples and we proclaim the gospel of freedom. We proclaim and we bring the kingdom of heaven. That's what we do. Second, it is to bring hope, life, and change to the underground and persecuted churches of this world. We had the privilege of going to many underground and persecuted churches, and we have seen change. We have seen it in Jesus' name. We will continue to march forward. We will continue to proclaim, and we will continue to bring. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, let me give you a chance to get there. This is, you know, it's, I believe that this is recently something God has given me. And so, I believe this is good stuff. Romans chapter 1 verse 11, if you're not there, just listen. Paul is writing to a persecuted church, a church under fire. And he wants to go and visit them. He didn't plant this church. He didn't start this place, this group of believers. They were already there. So I believe part of the apostolic ministry is not just planting churches. And I believe what God has called me to is not just to plant churches. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart, number one, some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That's the purpose of the gift. Verse 12, that is that I may be encouraged. Part number two, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by each other's faith, both yours and mine. It's the second part. Verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far for verse for, for the third point, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also. Even as among the rest of the Gentiles. Paul says the very purpose of his visit is this. And that's the very reasons we go into some of these places too. It's to impart a spiritual gift for the edification of the body. That's where we go. I just don't go to say, hey, I preach to the underground church. Praise God. I go there to impart something. Two, so that I myself may be stirred and challenged and encouraged. And so that I also will leave the same with that people. Third, it's to get some of that fruit because I want in. People never heard the gospel. I want in. I want to share in the fruit of what God is doing in these places. That is the vision of the ministry. That is what we do That is our goal in Jesus' name. Later on in Romans 15, verse 20, 
Paul talks about his ambition, his goal in life, what he's striving for. It's, it's to preach the gospel to people who've never heard because he doesn't want to lay a foundation on another man's preaching or teaching or whatever. This is what we do. We go into some of these places and, we, and this is what we bring. I'm just going to lay a quick foundation for us in scripture and then I'm going to talk about some of the things that we've seen. Just listen up in Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to turn there. You don't have to. If you want, you can. But I'm going to be going over some stuff quickly. Verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of the sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. In days of old, when God revealed himself to a people, it was a progressive revelation of who he was. And he visits Abraham, and he goes down the forefathers, revealing himself, his nature, his character to a people. He has to reacquaint himself with that same people through Moses. Moses, who are you? And who am I supposed to say you are? And he reacquaints himself and says, this is who I am. And he gives revelation upon revelation of who he is. But in the Old Testament, it's once every 40 years at the beginning. And then progressively, he begins to realize himself and reveal himself to a people. But it says in these last days, God has chosen to reveal himself to us through one specific method. And that is Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus is perfect theology. He's perfect doctrine. He is the God-man that we worship and that we live for in our lives and that we bow our knees to. He is this. And everything we want to know about God is manifested through the person Jesus Christ. You want to know something about God? You look at Jesus. And if it's not found in Jesus, question it. And then he goes on to say, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. He says, you know, he's talking about this great salvation that we received. And salvation is is not just a one-time experience. It's a person called Jesus. And he was revealed to us and he's superior than everything else in this world. And yet with all of that said, keeping that in mind, with this message of salvation in mind, listen to what the the author says in verse 4. It says, God also testifying with them. With the people who were proclaiming this message, both with, by signs and wonders, two, by various miracles, three, by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. I believe strongly that this is the main way in which we demonstrate salvation to people. It is What God wants to reveal to humankind. Salvation embodied in a person, Jesus Christ. 
You know, in John 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, I know you're a teacher. I know God is with you. Because of the things, because of the signs and wonders, because of the things you do. You see, it's not just good enough that I give you head knowledge about something. And Jesus wasn't satisfied with just giving head knowledge to people. He didn't come to tickle our minds. He didn't come just to download information in brains. If he wanted that, they're robots. He didn't come just to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm an awesome man, I'm God. He just didn't come for that. He came for something much more. And he came to transform us from within. And how does that take place? With just reading a book? You know, there, there, you guys have awesome uh, uh, preachers. And, and I'm sorry, a lot of things are being pumped in into you guys, into us, in, into this body. You guys have awesome men of God coming in, in and out of here. But if you're not putting into practice, it's all garbage. If you're not living out those truths, you, you know, sometimes when I go to places and I preach the gospel, sometimes I'm like, man, Lord, am I making a difference? Because a lot of times I preach, people get pumped up. They're like, oh, man, that was an awesome message. Oh, praise God, you're a man of God. La, 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 la. And I come back or I leave them or we just start having a conversation an hour later and there's no change. And I ask myself, Father, was there really change? Uh, did they really get what was being spoken? And man, listen, I'm running out of time and there's so much because I want to get into so much. And I'm just going to kind of briefly go through this. In, in, in Matthew 9 and 10, in, in Matthew chapter 9, in the, in the beginning of the chapter, Jesus encounters a paralytic man. And you know what he encounters? You know, when Jesus came into this world, he saw this world war-torn, taken over by a sinister Lord. And he, he came, not by himself, but with his kingdom. And he came to establish it against the kingdom of darkness. And every encounter he has, he goes against it. Because he sees an oppression and he doesn't bow his knee. Or he doesn't say, or he doesn't send them off somewhere. He deals with it himself. And, and, and he's going in chapter 9, he's doing some, he's raising people from the dead. He's healing a, a paralytic man, an issue of blood for 12 years with a woman. I mean, he's just doing some crazy stuff. It says that he went to all of their villages, healing them of all of their diseases and sicknesses. Now imagine that. He's going everywhere and he's seeing the same results because he's doing the same thing. You know, there's only two differences between Jesus and us. One, he was born without sin. Two, his obedience to the Holy Spirit was 125%. And you know, in Jesus, now we're washed and cleansed in the blood. So then the only other thing is the second factor. How much are you being obedient and submitting your life and yourself to the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now indwells us. It's now living and breathing in me and wants to be unleashed on this world. And I have chosen, as many of you have chosen, to be an outlet 
To say, God, here I am. I want to reflect that. Jesus is doing that. I want to do that. But Jesus comes, and it is something very interesting that he says. Matter of fact, I want you to turn there. It's in Matthew chapter 9. And this is interesting for specific reasons. In verse 36, he says, see, okay, in, in verses 35, I just real quick. Jesus went through all the cities. How many? All of them. All of the villages. Teaching in their synagogues. But that wasn't good enough. Just teaching. He went proclaiming what? What did he proclaim? The gospel of the kingdom. Not just forgiveness of sins. But hey, my kingdom has come. It's now time to surrender to a new king. And I don't have time to go into that. But he says, okay, what else did he do? Because it wasn't good just to preach or just to teach. And he says he went around healing every, how many? Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. The very next verse, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed. They were downtrodden. They were beat up. They were oppressed by this world. They have no hope. They don't have anything to look forward to. And he looks at them after going to all of their cities, all of their places, healing them of all of their diseases. He looks at them and he says, man, my people are still oppressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then what does he do? He calls his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. I cannot do this by myself. Jesus understood that same principle. That's why he leaves a body. That's why he raises up 12. He says, man, look all around us. People are being beat up. People are oppressed. They're in shackles. They're in chains. They're enslaved. Enslaved to the system. Enslaved to the sinister Lord. They have nothing. Praise to the Lord of the harvest. Because the problem is not them. You know, we got it mixed up in the church. Father, give us souls. Oh, Father, give us people. When he's saying, pray that people would be raised up. You say, well, you don't know the situation. I live in Chicago. Listen, in Mark 5, Jesus has an encounter that seems so impossible with a demoniac man in the garrisons. This man is so demon-possessed, can't no one hold him down. Matter of fact, we know he at least has 2,000, a legion, or maybe more than that. He has a legion of demons inside of him. Would you say that's kind of a, a, a tough situation? Where he can't even be bound with chains. Where he's cutting himself. Where people are scared to death. And Jesus says what? An opportunity. You see, when we go into these places. And when we see the downtrodden of this world. The downcast. The oppressed. We don't turn our faces. We don't tuck tail and run. We stand up in Jesus' name. And we take the land. And we say, the kingdom of God is here. The very reason I'm here is to establish and to set you free in Jesus' name. Because what I have, this world does not have. And it cannot offer you. Because there's something real on the inside of me that I want to release to you. Because it is His will, His purpose and His plan to bring you and invite you so that we can go together 
bringing into submission the enemies of our God. Hebrews 10, verse 13 and 14 says that when he resurrected, he seated on high. And it said he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for him. Listen, God has enemies in this world. Don't be deceived. Everything is just not a sickness that needs some pills. There is enemies out there that we face and they're real and they're harsh and they take no breaks. I've never known of a war that knew no bloodshed. I never knew, I have never known a war that has never faced casualties or difficulties or where one side is lax while the other one is fiercely opposing them. I've never heard of such things because they don't exist. And yet we, the people of God, are sleeping. You know, it may be a tough situation. I'm not making light of that. But when I see those things, I see an opportunity for our God to be demonstrated to this world. And I take hold of those things as we should, as many people. Listen, I'm not the only one. I've visited churches all across the world. And I am glad to say and stand in front of you and say there are churches that are thriving under the power of God. Because they're paying the price to save a dying world. And if we will stand up and do the same, the same results will be given to us. God is not a respecter of a person. So Jesus tells his disciples, man, cry out. Ask the Lord. What does the very next verse say? Matthew didn't write with chapter 10, verse 1. He just wrote. And this is what he said. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority. There's a problem. I got the solution. I'm going to raise up a people. And matter of fact, what I have, I give to you. Go out into this world and change it. Change it. Set it on fire. Set it ablaze for the kingdom. Come and establish what I have come to establish in the hearts of people. And that's what we do. You know, I talk to people I don't know the Lord, and specifically my own family. And they say, why do you go out there? They have their own religion. Leave them alone. Or they're just following you because you're going to give them some monetary thing. Listen, sometimes I don't have a penny to give to people. I don't have a dime to give to people. And in fact, after I leave, nine times out of ten, their situation in the natural becomes more difficult than when I came. Because now I leave them in the midst of this chaos, fighting and fending, not alone, but with the church, with the group, with the people, with the Bible, with the Holy Ghost, most of all. But now they're going to face persecution for bearing that name. Now they face hardships and trials because we've come and gave them something. What we have, we give. Jesus teaches that later on. There's a lot more things, but I do want to share some testimonies, and I do want to encourage you with that. There's, there's a lot of things that the Bible makes clear to us. If we would take a hold of them, if we will make them real in our lives, we'll see change. We'll see change. If, if, if we can... Listen, man, there are many echoes, few voices... 
Let your life be a voice to this generation. Let your voice be heard in the heavens. And by your lifestyle, hell will take notice too. And change this world. We've gone to these places. And that oppression that I see in the face of the church tries to grip my own heart. And we march forward, we plow, we truck through those things. And we, and we bring a shift in the spirit. Because there is an oppression here on earth. And there is the glory of heaven waiting to be unleashed in that situation. How, do you command darkness to leave? If there's a dark room, do I say darkness leave? No. You bring light and darkness leaves. We bring light. We bring hope. We bring life. We bring the kingdom. We take our God with us. And we go and we change. And when you see those oppressions in the faces of people. And you see the hopelessness even within the church. You say, no, it's not going to grip my heart. Not on my shift. Not while I'm here. Not while I have breath in my lungs. Not while I can change the situation. Not when I have something that can bring a genuine change. And you know what it cost us? These people need a breakthrough. The glory of heaven wants to be released. And there is a you. And the thing that's stopping that breakthrough is you. Or releasing that breakthrough is you. Everyone say, that's me. Together now, come on. If you believe it, say, that's me. That's me in Jesus' name. That's me in Jesus' name. That's who I am. That's who I've been called to be. Not because I'm someone special. Because I chose to say yes to King Jesus. And when you have chosen to say yes to King Jesus, that's your calling as well. The breakthroughs come because you stand together and you say, Father, there's no chance except for what we have and we're bringing it in Jesus' name. I've been in churches when we're preaching the gospel. And as I'm preaching, I was in Thailand one time. I was preaching the gospel. I was, I was preaching about the kingdom and its power and its authority, specifically. And in this church, there wasn't many people that spoke English. So there was this one lady who spoke English a lot. She was with me most of the week. We were hosting services, baptizing people. God was breaking out, moving in power. It was my last day there. So I said, at 125%, I'm giving it everything I got. I'm preaching, 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 preaching. In the middle of my message, I'm standing up. She's in the back of the church, small place, back of the church. There she is. And she starts making these crazy, nasty faces. Sticking out her tongue. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like some demonic stuff. And I'm like, oh, Father. Time to go at it. So I had to hear heaven. Because you... You got to hear heaven. And my interpreter looks at the same thing I'm looking at. And we look at each other. So don't worry about it. Just keep interpreting. We're going to go after it. So I said, Father, you want me to take care of this now? Should I stop? Should I continue to go forward? I feel continue to go forward. I continue to preach. She continues to manifest. So I say, okay, there's an encounter here. There's a time for the glory of heaven to be released. 
and unleash in this world because it's not just good enough that I talk about it. It has to be demonstrated. So I say, okay, come to the front. Who wants prayer? And you know who comes to the front? Yeah. And she comes to the front. And I say, okay. And listen, there's, there's a ton of testimonies. And I know this is real life. This ain't make-believe. I have pictures. You can call her. You can talk to her yourself. I have video footage of this. <laughs> no lie. And so she comes to the front. My interpreter is sweating. And I said, we're going to take care of this. And so I lay my hands. And I would love to tell you the instant I lay my hands, she was free. It didn't happen. And so I lay my hands. And I'm believing God. I lay my hands on her. And she just starts going crazy. And for some reason, people like to bite at during that time. It's happened a few times. She tries biting me. She's a small woman. Small Thai women. Four grown men grab her, bring her down to the ground, and she's going absolutely wild in front of a church that all knows her. And I try and I say, man, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Church, I'm sweating up a storm. It's like a hundred and something. Oh, church, pray, believe, come on. And so I start getting stirred up because I say, man, you know, they're praying, they're going after it. And I'm just like, Father, I need to hear what is going on here. There needs to be a breakthrough. I'm tired, but I'm not giving in. As long as it takes, I'm in. I'm going to tell you, we had to take it to another room, and it was ours that we were going after it. But I'll tell you right now, that woman is in a sound mind, set free in Jesus' name. Because we don't back down. We don't bow knee. We conquer in Jesus' name. We take the land. You know, Matthew, Matthew 11. It says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Verse 13, it says, but the violent take it by force. There's times when we have to bring it. We go on offensive. Matthew 16, Jesus only mentions the word church a few times. I think it's three. His ecclesia, his body, his group. You know, one of the main reasons when he shares it is in Matthew 16. And he says, upon this revelation, he's, uh, upon this rock, he, t- he tells Peter, I'm going to build my church. And he says, the gates, the gates of hell, Hades, are not going to overcome it. In other words, gates are made to protect those on the inside. And when we storm them, when we go after them, when we aggressively attack them, sickness, disease, oppression, mindsets, we are not overcome. We overcome in Jesus' name. They said, people say, well, that doesn't work. I've, I've been with ministers 20 years in, in the mountains of Nepal, the Himalayas. They said, brother, that doesn't work. We need to do more than just preach the gospel. I said, I'm in agreement with you. But I'm not a doctor. My father's not Walmart. And I don't own a pharmaceutical company. I don't have nothing to give these people except one thing. Life in Jesus. And if you, want, and if you give me the opportunity... I've been all around the world with the same results. I guarantee you it will come to pass in Nepal. So you go to these mountains. You take a 30-hour bus ride up and down mountains. People, and it's not your Greyhound or some nice bus. It's a small Nepali bus with goats and chickens and a ton of people. And you're in there for 30 hours up and down mountains. Because to get to this mountain, you got about 100 mountains to get through. 
And you go up and down these mountains, and after, after hour 24, it becomes almost unbearable. People are throwing up. You're sitting in the window. The lady's like, excuse me. Blah. And people are just throwing up everywhere. You go up a mountain, you lift up your feet because here comes a river of vomit. And when you go down the mountain, you lift up your feet again because another river goes down. And you get to your destination, 30 hours, riding up and down mountains, tight roads. And you get to your place, 1 o'clock in the morning, you're dead tired. The next couple days, you have to trek 8 hours for 6 days to get to this people group that never heard the gospel. And so you're in charge with such a great privilege. And so you're going after it. You knock on the house of the pastor. You say, can you open up the church doors to us? This is the last hub of civilization before you go deep inside the mountains. The last hub. Last place where you can find electricity, running water, plumbing. We knock on the door of the pastor and say, you have a place for us to stay. And the other brothers are like, hey man, we have another place, a house. But they, they let me inside. They take me into a church where it's dirt floors. And the floor is like this. I say, pick a spot. I try to pick the most leveled one. I, I go to sleep. Rats crawling everywhere. Because for some reason at this elevation, rats survive, but cats don't. And that's a big problem. Cat, they're running all rampant all over the place. You barely get no sleep. And in village life, everything revolves around the sun and daylight. So they get up at the crack of dawn. You had a few hours of sleep and they wake you up with the good news that you're sharing the word. And so they say their attention span is very small. Keep it real short. I said, yeah, no problem. Actually, underneath my brother, yeah, wonderful. And you're preaching the gospel. and You're proclaiming the kingdom. And things begin to happen. So much so that people begin to get healed and touched and delivered. And mindsets are being transformed and renewed. And the pastor says, keep going. Don't stop. And you're going and you're going. And the glory of heaven falls down in this place. So much so, you know how I know it changed because they took me off of the floor and they said, oh, you can now have a bed. Oh, thanks. So I sleep in the next bed. We wake up at 4.30 in the morning. We go down these mountains and we start proclaiming the gospel. The guy that I'm with, the brother, he gets terribly sick and ill. And so we say, he said, I can't move, Freddie. And I'm carrying his 55-pound bag up and down mountains of the Himalayas. I mean, after day two, I was like, let's rest. I'm all good with that. So I go to this mountaintop, and I, and I stand on the top, river rushing below. You're above. I mean, eagles are below me. That's how high up you are. And you start worshiping God and proclaiming his justice. And you're there right next to a, Bra- a Buddhist temple deep in the mountains. And maybe for the first time, this region, this area has never been proclaimed the gospel. Or maybe this mountaintop has never been said in Jesus' name, I'm here and we're taking the land. And you get on that mountaintop and you start proclaiming freedom. And everything around you starts to take notice. You come back down and you say, okay, brother, time to raise up. We're moving. We move forward. We go to a village where there's a health post. And the guy says, what are you doing here? We say, we come here to set you free. We drop off our stuff. We go to the middle of the square. I say, brother, how you feel? He says, sick. I said, in Jesus' name, we're going to preach. Let's do it. Interpret for me. We start preaching the gospel. And God starts, begins to touch lives. People have never heard the message, never heard freedom, never experienced it. And we start preaching the gospel. And I would love to tell you the whole village got saved, but it didn't happen. But there was one man, one young man, who stood up against the crowd. One young man who said, I want what you got. 
And I don't care for generations that I have been deceived. For generations, no one has ever had this life. Today, I make that proclamation and I buy my knee. Laxman Lama gave his life to the Lord that day. I went and continued to preach the gospel deep in the mountains. God was moving, breaking out. That brother who skeptically sent me out comes and visits. And he goes down the same trail we blazed. House after house, village after village, testimony after testimony. When he gets to us, he says, brother, what has happened? And I said, I told you, the gospel works. Some strife and discord arises within the group. Because even in Mark chapter 5, that man that got set free with all, all the demoniacs and the garrisons. You know, you would think the village would be happy, but instead they tell Jesus to leave. And when you bring the glory of heaven and you unleash it on earth, you believe, oh, everyone's going to be happy. It's not just so. Not all the time. And so they say, brother, I'm six days in the mountain. And I don't know. This is, they even speak a dialect. They don't even speak Nepali. They speak Lomi. And I'm deep in the mountains, six days in, and there's so many stories. I just don't have time to go into it. And they say, brother, you can't be a part of our group. I said, what? I felt like a stray dog. So you can't be part of our group. They left me in the mountains by myself. No guide, not knowing the language, no map. Off charter stuff. Deep in the mountains for the gospel and for the kingdom. Many hardships we faced. But to do what God has called us to do. We go back. I mean, I have to push with everything inside of me. There is a soulish push. Not a, not a spiritual one. One, Freddie, get to the next village. Freddie, you can make it. Because you don't have an iPod. You don't have another person walking with you. You don't have, you just didn't come out of a church service. You don't have a group of people with you. You're all alone with the spirit of God and your thoughts for hours and hours and hours of walking up and down Himalaya mountains. And you have to make a push, a determination. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Let me get to the next village, Father, please. Every cave I passed, I seriously asked myself, is this where I'm going to stay tonight? And I have met people in those mountains. I have pictures. People, their faces ripped off by, lion, by tigers and bears, mauled. And I'm asking myself, Father, is this the place I'm sleeping tonight? Keep going, keep going, keep going. I crawl into a, a village. And I crawl into that village. They say, oh, they ask me, what are you doing here? And I tell them, I say, are you that guy? I said, which guy? Are you that guy that proclaimed the gospel or, or this message, this God, to Laxman Lama? I said, yeah. I mean, I crawled into this village, barely making it. It rained. I'm tired. I'm hurting. They said, yeah, I'm him. He's a couple villages away. Rest here. We're going to go get him. They went to go get Laxman Lama, and he comes to my aid. And he was doing exceedingly well. He said, brother, I can't put down this book that you gave me. And every village I went to, I proclaimed what you told me. It is real. Lakshman Lama helped me get back to my destination. And I left that brother with a Bible and the Holy Ghost. And I believe God had done many wonderful, mighty things. Listen, there's many testimonies. You can go on my blog and check it out. There's some pictures in the back too. Listen, I can't do this by myself. Jesus couldn't do it by himself. He raised up a body in the people. And I know that as I go, we go. And that's, that's the truth. I know when I'm in the trenches, miles and thousands of miles away, we're in the trenches together. When you partner up with me in prayer, 
And by sending me out, we need senders, we need goers. I'm a goer. We have senders in this church. Let's do our part. Let's run our race. Let's be faithful. Whatever God has called and put in your heart, I, can't, I wish people, I wish an airline would say, hey, you're a Christian, you're doing great, for, great things for God, here's a free airline ticket. But they just don't do that. They, they don't do that. For me, I wish they would. Pray for that. Or pray that I would be supernaturally transported to different places. Whatever one works is good for me. They don't do that. I need finances. I need people to stand with me in prayer. Every revolution, every, 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 every revolution needs, needs two things. It needs people that are willing to die for the vision of that revolution. And it needs resources. Without it, it cannot be accomplished. We need that. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes to further the kingdom. I, I've given up personal ambitions and goals and dreams. I've given up everything I've known to give up. And still times I ask myself, can I cut more corners? Can I sacrifice more? If you want to get with me, if you want more information, let's do that. I'm here. I'm available. I have two more weeks and then I'm gone. I want to thank you for the privilege and the honor of letting me be your mouthpiece and your hands. And in Jesus' name, we're moving forward. We don't take a step backwards. We move forward in Jesus' name. And I'm excited to report these things and excited to share a lot more things with you. Let's get together. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege of being called children of the Most High God. Of having something this world cannot obtain in itself. Because it's only found in you. And Father, we have, been in, we have been charged with this message. Lord, you came and invaded mankind. We don't forget those things as we celebrate Christmas. We don't forget the millions and, and thousands of people that are perishing in this world without you. Father, remind us. Keep us conscious of eternity, aware of heaven and the calling that you birthed within us as the people of God. Father, make it real. Burn it in our hearts this day. Father, whatever holds us back, may we put the flame and light it on fire. Whatever holds us back, may we take the knife to it as we lay it at the altar, God. Jesus, I thank you for this group, Lord. I bless them. I thank you that they have stood with me. I thank you that we have seen good things. But in Father, we are not satisfied. We want to see so much more because there's so much more to be had. And we recognize that we barely scratch the surface. Father, make it real in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Steve, thank you guys. You know, one day, the sun is not going to set on a missionary that we send out of this church. Years ago, before I even started this church, I had a, I don't know, a dream, a vision, just a revelation, where literally we could see the globe. I'm not the only one that had it. And literally, 24 hours a day, I believe, around this globe... There's going to be people that we send out where the Word of God is going to be preached around the clock in the whole world. I want to do it here in the United States, here in Chicago, but around the world. God is a God who created and loves the entire world. It's amazing because I've heard that same kind of testimony over and over again. You go to the most remote place in the whole world Somebody, maybe it's just one person, gets radically saved. And you go back a few years later, and what do you think you're going to find?
but a church is planted. What happens is God plants a man. He plants a woman. God doesn't just wake up one day and poof, there's this new thing. He starts with a person. He starts with you and me. I was so blessed. I shared the testimony, and, and when John Beasley was here recently, you heard the testimony. One time on a mission trip that we went to the DR, they crossed the Haitian border and went up to an area where there was absolutely no church anywhere in the mountains. They were there for one afternoon preaching the gospel. He goes back three and a half years later, and what does he find? A church. One person got radically turned on to God, took the Bible, started reading it, got transformed, couldn't hold it in for just themselves anymore. Somebody that no biblical training, quote-unquote, all they had was a Bible, started doing what the Bible says. He goes back, there's a whole church. You understand, God does just what you heard. Nepal is being transformed. You know, when I, in 1991, I had a map. And the most lost nation in the world, according to that map, was Mongolia. There were three known Christians in Mongolia. Do you know that today there are hundreds of thousands? Jesus said this gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness. And then the end shall come. Could you imagine a church this size has been able to send someone to Nepal, to Cambodia, to all kinds of places? I'm fired up. We need a missions trip. I've already got five planned for this next year. We need to add another one in Jesus' name. I want to take a minute before we go. We're going to go downstairs and enjoy fellowshipping together and a great meal, a great dinner. But I'd like to take just a moment and receive an offering to help our brother continue to go around the world and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere God sends him. Amen? Let's do what we can this morning. Let's bless our brother. If you need an offering envelope, take a minute, raise your hand. One of our ushers will come and give you one of those. And again, let's sow some good seed today. Let's get that plane ticket. We're going to get him a one-way ticket, bless God, to, to wherever, Tibet. Jesus said go. He didn't say go home and worry about returning. He said go. So we're going to bless Freddie with a one-way ticket to Tibet or somewhere anyway. <laughs> Let's sow some good seed this morning. Amen? I'll tell you what. Awesome stuff. Man, everywhere I turn, I, I'm, I'm just hearing about what God's doing around the world. The other day, my son and I are doing a, a uh, marble fireplace job. I don't know how many of you know it, but I've started a, a fireplace company. And I get called out to install a fireplace for a guy from Haiti who now wants to get together and talk about funding a church plant in Haiti. Ooh, that sounds like God. 
We'll find out who's called in, in a hurry here. You want to go to Haiti? Not Hades. Don't, 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 don't miss this. I'll tell you what, God has awesome things in store for us. Well, again, let's take just a moment. Honor the Lord with our giving. Glory to God. I know Freddie was saying he's getting hooked up with a new missions agency. Get with him, those of you that have been partners with him over this last year and a half or so, and um, let's make sure that we get all the, the right information of how we can uh, support him and what they're going to be doing in the next year or so to come. And again, if um, anyone can, please help us to just stay abreast of, of where he is and what he's doing so we can really pray together as a church. And Freddie, where are you? Come on up here. I want to I want to have the church pray for you before we go today. Let's all stand up, everyone. I want you to really stretch out your hands to him. Hallelujah. You, you leaders, come and join me today. Elders, pastors, just take a minute and pray over our brother. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. God, that your hand is upon Freddie, Father God, that you have sent him and you are sending him. And Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus, God, that the very work that you've begun, you would continue to do in him and through him, God. Lord, I ask that you would bless him, that you would just work with him, Father God, everywhere he goes, in him and on him, God. Lord, give him a heart that you can bless, that you can use. God, we ask that you would fill these hands, fill this heart, God, with your power, with your life, with your grace and your glory. Lord, we ask for a greater anointing than he's ever experienced, than he's ever seen. A greater power for signs and wonders and miracles, God. A greater authority, Father God. Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you would make him the man of God that you've ordained him to be. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you have yet to do in and through him, God. Make him the man of God. You've ordained him to be God. Give him the lost as his inheritance. God, as we sow into his life, Lord, we're asking for a harvest of souls here and around the world, Father God. Lord, give us the lost as our inheritance. God, I just ask that you bless our brother in Jesus' name. 